and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Please turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. We're going to be reading from verse 16 to 19. That's what we're going to be covering tonight. So I kind of want to start with the verse that I'm tackling so that it'll make sense with you. Uh, If I don't make sense for the next hour, at least you know where to base it on. (laughs) Well, this is what he was trying to say, so I guess it makes sense. (laughs) I know we didn't stand last week, but if we can all please rise while I read the word if you're able. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by works of the law. For the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, though, but for I, through the law, died to the law, that I might live to God. You may be seated. Thank you. Again, that's just in observance. Sometimes we stand up, sometimes, sometimes we don't, but the real main purpose is that if I don't make sense for the next hour, you go through it and then read on your commentaries and find and try to help me out and send me an email of my mistakes and corrections that you need to tell me. <laughs> Here we go. I titled our message, Houston, We Have a Problem. That's our title of our message. This is originally, it, it's a genuine report of a life, life-threatening fault, usually coming from uh, somebody who's in space and they're calling to uh, Houston, which is their home base, to let them know that there is an issue. Uh, it is now used humorously and, you know, to report any kind of problem. Uh, but originally it was from uh, Apollo 13, moon flight, when they first reported and used this phrase, Houston, we have a problem. Humankind has a problem. And if you are a believer, we have many problems. But the main problem uh, that a believer solved by accepting Christ as their Lord as us accepting Jesus our Lord, we solve the greatest problem, which is the problem of sin. And that's why this is what we're going to be tackling, uh, our salvation through faith, not by works in the next verses. So if you can all please join me in the word of prayer before we begin. Lord, we thank you once again for the privilege to be able to come and gather and worship you in the place that you have um, appointed us to be a part of with the fellow believers and the church family that uh, you have plugged us into. Lord, we pray for your guidance right now. Let the Holy Spirit in all of us, Father, uh, reveal to us what it is that you are trying to um, show us and tell us. Father, may we all be humble. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Remove anything that may distract us, Lord, in our minds or in our hearts. Let you and you alone speak through me, Lord God, to your people. Father, let the Holy Spirit, Lord God, just... 
Empower your people tonight. Just use me as your vessel. Override my preparations, Lord God. And Lord, may you be pleased tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So with all that being said, Houston, we have a problem. Job. Remember Job, the guy that was blessed tremendously by the Lord, and all of a sudden, in the blink, blink of an eye, he lost everything. And then one of his things that, that struck me about Job is when he was looking for a mediator between him and God, when he was going through it, he was like, somebody needs to mediate for me because I didn't do anything wrong. Why am I suffering? Why am I going through all this? Because I know I didn't sin. But then this was his question. He, so, he says, how can a man be righteous before God? Because his friends that, um, you know, were wise in their eyes but really aren't, were all, were all trying to tell him, you sinned. So with your sin, you're experiencing all this trouble. So you need to confess. But he knew deep in his heart, he didn't do anything wrong to God. So he was saying that I need a mediator. But how can a man be righteous before God? He was saying this. He lived a holy and righteous way and was very diligent in doing what he thought was necessarily necessary. Every morning he made sacrifices for his children because he knew that they were partying. They might have sinned. So he did automatically put some offering for them and for him. So he was always trying to make sure that he was right for God. But yet he still suffered. He still suffered. He also recorded that he helped many orphans, right? He helped orphans. He helped a stranger or strangers that came his way. So he was doing all the right things. He was doing all the commands. But yet he still went through, through the trouble because of, if you read the, the, the story of Job, you know, who's, you know whose idea it was, right? The suffering was Satan's idea to be applied to Job. But it was God was proposing God was proposing somewhat like betting have you you know considered my servant Job have you considered my servant Job I know that's a whole new topic but the whole purpose of me bringing this up is Job knowingly he, he knew that it, there was no man that can stand right next to God that there can be no one righteous which he echoes what Paul said here what shall we conclude then? This is in Romans 3, 9 to 12. Do we have any advantage? Not at all. Speaking about Jewish, uh, the Jews versus the Gentiles. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. So Job and Paul are echoing each other. Correct? All have turned away, they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, no, not even one. And this is also found in Psalms and in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. So the Bible, it's all over the Bible that no man it can be righteous before God. Do we agree? That no one can do anything. This is why if you've accepted Christ as your Lord, you've understood this completely. So tonight, if, if you've been a believer for many years or even for three months and you said, man, I got that already. This is a good review because as you can see, even Peter, Peter and his companions, the Jewish Gentile or Jewish Christians 
fell into legalism when they were pressured by other legalistic Jewish Christians at their time. Right? That's, that's what chapter 2 was. If you remember last week, Paul rebuked Peter and Barnabas for doing what they did. Why they withdrew little by little from their Gentile believers during their pot bless. I think, I think they were... I think the disciples were Baptists, I think. <laughs> they love eating too. <laughs> this is our main verse when Paul rebukes Peter. We who are Jews, you have to look at this and, and always remind yourself that this is Paul still speaking to Peter. Peter, the guy that walked with Jesus, very high in, in the faith, right? He has that. He's somebody in the faith. He's a pillar of the faith, but yet... Paul speaking to him, making him review, reviewing him with the faith that Peter preached during the first, when the Holy Spirit came down, Peter automatically just all of a sudden forgot that we are saved by faith through Jesus, not by works, not by the law. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Peter forgot it. And Barnabas too. And some other guys that, they were, that, that was with them. Because some Judaizers that are trying to implement their tradition, the law, some of the law, back to Christi into Christianity in addition to the faith in Jesus Christ. Believers, we need to be careful. We need to be careful to add our own preferences on how we think a Christian should be acting. If it's not biblical, that that's your preference. On what should he be wearing or how they should be having their hairstyle. And all of a sudden, oh, I don't think he's a believer. Look at his hair. <laughs> right? He's always wearing black. How can a Christian always wear black? <laughs> right? We're all, all these, I mean, it's silly things. We're laughing. But we all have it. We've all done it. Do we agree? Can we all be at least be honest for one time? You say, amen. <laughs> at least for once, right? Yeah, one, there you go. <laughs> we all done it. We've all done it. Oh man, I don't think, I don't think he is. Why? Because you know, I've been in this car. He speeds. He breaks the speed limit. And if that's your standard, then you shouldn't be listening to me. Because I have a heavy foot. I have a heavy foot on that gas pedal. It's kind of heavy. It's really a condition. It's not really, no kidding. <laughs> right? We, we have to be careful in trying to add things to our faith and trying to see and waiting or demanding other people to act the way we want them to act, to dress the way we want them to dress or else they're not a believer. Amen? Because all of a sudden we forgot. Why? What, what, you look at yourself. Why? Are you really that A-plus Christian? Oh, yes, Pastor. You want to see an A-plus Christian? This is how you dress. This is how you speak. This is how you treat people. You know, I mean, there's truth in, in some of that. But for you to make your standards and your preference above Jesus and then apply and force it upon others is wrong. Amen? That's when church fails. That's when we, our faith becomes hypocritical. That's when we take our eye off the main thing. Because the main thing is people trusting their lives to Christ. Amen? And people knowing that us too, at one time, we trusted in Christ. 
no matter how big of a bonehead we are. Do we agree? Okay, amen. That's true. That's right. I'll take that. We'll go here. This is Paul. Again, reviewing people. This is in Philippians. This is just to reference what Paul is saying to Peter and to the Galatian church, right? So what happened between Paul and Peter wasn't in, in, in the province of Galatia. It was in Antioch. And Peter, Paul was just telling the Christians in Galatia about what happened, about the legalistic event and how he rebuked Peter. Because again, as a review, there's the church in Galatia was, is being, was penetrated or infiltrated by Judaizers. And they were adding physical circumcision to their Gentile brothers in addition to their faith to Christ. So it was pretty intense. The whole topic is legalism, right? So this is a review of Paul when he was still called Saul as he obeyed the law. This is in Philippians. I was circumcised when I was eight years old according to the letter, to the law. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. And a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for the righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Paul gives his credentials here that shows that if anyone has followed the law to the T, he's a dude. Okay, he's the dude. Nobody else. He was the Hebrew of all Hebrews. But his presentation in these verses was intended to review for them, the Philippian church, and for us now, the things that where Paul could have placed his confidence in. But he did it. In fact, it, doesn't, it does include the things in which he has placed great value before he met Christ. But then he says what? These are all foolishness we go here in Galatians 2 16 for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law no one will be ever will ever be made right with God by obeying the law following the Ten Commandments doesn't save you right I'm looking around the room and I think we're all believers if you have not accepted Christ and you think you're trying to earn your way to heaven by obeying the law, if you even know the law, this is what he's saying. You still can't be made right. You still can't be made right, no matter how hard you try. There is no amount of donation that it can make you right to God. There is no church building or church expansion donation amount that you can give or do that can make you right with God. There's no missionaries that you can help. No amount of missionaries that you can help. No, um, no, it doesn't matter how many children, orphans that you've helped. It will not help you get to heaven. It will not. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. It's also said in Romans. So then the law is holy. And the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Because the question is, so is the law the problem? Is the law that God has given the problem? Because, you know, I mean, if why is it given to us? And then 
I can't even earn heaven by following it. So there's a problem there. That's what you're saying, right? Or somebody could be saying. There's two purposes of the law. First, it perpetually reminded people of God's standards and our inability to meet them. That's what the commandments did or continues to do. That is, if we are, that we are helpless to make ourselves righteous before God. Second, the law was a tutor to bring us to Christ. It was to point us to Christ. It was to point us to a Savior because we can't do it. We can't fulfill it. That we may be justified by faith. As a tutor or teacher, the law revealed humanity's lack of righteousness. So that when Christ came as once and for all, the perfect sacrifice or our justifier by faith. Israel and the world at large will be ready to embrace him if we will just really share it with full conviction. So the saddest thing for me is when I hear believers, and, and some of you are in this room, when you guys utter these words, well, I don't know, because he seems to be a good person anyway. I'm hoping that he or she will go to heaven. Because frankly, he's nicer than many Christians that I've known. Which is probably true. The, the latter part is true. But the first part's incorrect. Because then you're arguing with the truth that you yourself embrace. Do we agree? If there is an, another way, if there is a way for you to be good and make it to heaven, then why did you accept Christ in the first place? Well, if, you know, if I get two of them, safer. <laughs> safer that way, Pastor Joe. That's how I think. <laughs> right? Some people think that way. Oh, you know, in Tagalog, oh, wala namang mawawala eh. I can't lose anything. There's nothing to lose here. It's a win-win. Accept Christ and I just continue to believe the way I believe that if I'm a good person and so do other people, especially if I like them. See, our, our good quantifier, our good is if they are good with us. Right? Just so long as these people, those people that have not accepted Christ, so long as they're saying the right things and doing the right things to us, we think they're going to go to heaven. Especially when we, they die, or they die all of a sudden, you're like, man, you know what? Only God knows because they were good people. But then if we didn't like them, we're automatically quick to go to the doctrine. Hey, you know what? Man, I feel sorry for them, but the doctrine of justification says... Right? How hypocritical. Let me just say that. I know we're laughing. But that's how, that's how we actually really quantify who's good and who's bad. What we're saying is we're the ultimate judge of what's good and what's bad. But the truth is we're not. The Bible is the truth. Amen? God is the one that tells us. He is the ultimate authority on what is good and what is bad. And from the Bible, what it says is if without Christ, you cannot make it to heaven. No matter how many things, how many good things you've done and continue to do. Even if you act better than me, sadly. I'm pretty sure that won't be too hard. Because <laughs> I don't act nicely all the time. But it still won't earn you heaven. It won't earn you heaven. 
So then the law is holy. So the law is not the bad thing. It's us. It tells us. It's like the speed limit. The speed limit tells us what the speed limit is. Now it's up to us if we want to obey it or not. If you're like me, if there's no cops, I'm always in a hurry. But if there's a cop right behind me, I'm like, I have time. <laughs> I'm not in a hurry. Downshift, downshift, downshift. <laughs> right? Because you don't want them seeing you stepping on your brakes. Right? The law tells us how bad we are. The law has told us the need for a Savior. And that's where Christ stepped in. Amen? Amen. And here, if you tell me, well, if you're thinking, well, you know, Joe, out of that Ten Commandments, really, I really don't need Jesus. Because out of that Ten, I don't really commit adultery. I don't really steal. I mean, I have a good paying job. I don't, make, I don't commit adultery because I have a good looking wife. Why would I cheat on my wife? You know, sometimes I get angry here and there. So maybe one out of ten. Don't you think? Don't you think I'll make it to heaven? In James... It says here, if you commit one, you're guilty of all. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, that is the royal law. You are doing right. But if you show favoritism, aho, if you show favoritism, you sin. Oh, Joe, I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah, you do. You do. You have your favorite preachers. Look at your podcast. <laughs> you have your favorite preachers that you'd like to listen to and the ones that you'd rather not listen to. Yeah, so that's favoritism. You committed, so you just sinned. <laughs> Praise God that you're saved by grace <laughs> and are convicted by the law of lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he, for he who said, you should not commit adultery, also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit murder, but do commit, if you do not commit murder, adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. And then Jesus said, if you're just angry, you committed murder. Who here is always angry from time to time? <laughs> you just need to make me do another church expression and I'll be really angry again. <laughs> In advance for our next business meeting, if you guys are going to propose another church expression, my vote is no. <laughs> my vote is no <laughs> it's a lot of work anyway going back here what was my point <laughs> I have a point so if you think that following nine but committing one keeps you right with the Lord the answer is no you're wrong so I know this is a review for most of us but don't you agree that Paul was giving Peter a review? Yeah. yeah, he was. He was preaching this to Peter and Barnabas and the other Christians that Paul had a good relationship with, that Paul had uh, much respect to. So from time to time, it's really good to revisit these things. And this is, this is what we do. We're, 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 we're doing the journey in the book of Galatians. And this is God reminding all of us. That we claim that we are saved by grace through faith, through Jesus Christ, and by faith alone. And that we're saved not by our good works or lack of good works. Because of what Jesus did. 
So as we review ourselves and realize and remember these things, we need to remind ourselves that the people that are around us, that God has given us the privilege to work with or to be a family member of, right? To be the cousin or the aunt or the uncle or the brother or the sister of that person that still hasn't surrendered their lives to Christ. You need the urgency and you need to remind yourself that no matter how good they are, they can't make it to heaven because of their good works. They need Jesus Christ. So that should push us, right? That should give us the urgency to share Christ, correct? Okay. Two, that's fine. It's not the, quali- it's not the quantity, it's the quality. Whoever said yes to that, that's two souls that you can share the gospel to. And it's serious. People die every minute. Some, some of them we know. A person, I, I just heard of, I just, I was uh, emailed through Facebook Messenger that a person that I saw four weeks ago looking for a member of ours that works with him here. I, was, I, I went to this person looking for our member. That person died already. Yeah. I'm going to go to his funeral on Tuesday. A person died without Christ. A person died without Christ. I've tried to invite that guy many times. You know, I I was trying to look for a time to share the gospel to him, but really didn't have any opening. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that our member here who worked with him for many years was able to share the gospel. But it's only them who knows. But people die. The realization, because I know we already know this for the believers here. But it's a good reminder that those good people you work with, those family members that are good with you, that you think are the best people in the world, and I'm not going to argue with that, they can't make it to heaven because of their goodness. But with all those questions, with all those problems, with all the problems that we're facing, with that reality, Jesus is the answer. In Galatians still, 2.16, and we have Paul speaking to Peter and Barnabas believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we have obeyed the law. So I hope there's no more question. I hope that because I'm pretty sure God will talk to me on how you guys looked at this thing when I'm there or when we're all there. My report, he's going to be talking to me about this. I'm really hoping that I'm making this clear for you. Not for my own good, but it's really for us, for for all of you. Because if there is confusion there, I hope it's being erased today. Not because we have obeyed the law, believed in Christ. Paul's opponents. Where was I? Sorry. Too fast for my notes again. <laughs> yeah, I'm too fast for my notes. But anyway, they believe, it's always believing in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Let's look at this. Philippians 3, 7-9. I know I read the first part earlier. And now this is Paul still speaking after he gave his, 
his achievement or his accolades or his, his credentials. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. You see this? Nothing, nothing that Paul has done, he realized it. Everything that he made as a sacrifice or he thought was a sacrifice for God, everything that he did for God, that he thought he was doing for God, after he knew who Christ was, after he knew the truth and the right way to earn heaven, he considered everything foolish. For his sake I have lost all things, I considered them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. In him, our righteousness is in Christ. Amen? Amen. It's not our righteousness. I, I know I gave this illustration last week and I think it was too early to give. Now I'm going to give it again. I'm hoping this is the right time to give it. For you to be able to travel in the freeway at 70 miles per hour, you need to be in your car, right? So it's you in your car or someone else's vehicle. So it's not you traveling 70 miles an hour per se. It's us. When we're in Christ, we are holy because we are in Christ, because Christ is righteous. That's why we get to be in heaven, because of Christ's righteousness, because we are in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. I know. Re repetition, redundancy. Hopefully you get it, right? Hopefully you get it. Keep repeating it to yourself. It is not you, but this is faith through Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul reminds the Philippians and us that the decision he made 30 years ago or before this still has its hold on him. He still considers his previous asset as liabilities. The righteousness of Christ is now the only asset in his balance sheet. And frankly, we need to think that way too. It changed him in a way that his own righteousness could never do. I could never understand Pastor Julius before when he kept telling me, I tell him all my problems, my financial problems, my, which translate to my relational problems with my wife, which translates to my relationship problems with my children, because, you know, if you're broke, it makes you not happy, right? It makes you grumpy. It makes you always working. And then you try to justify that you're working because you need money and they don't get it. And you're the only one who's right in the house, right? It's, it's, it happens, right? And, and then after giving him all that weight, this is what he tells me. Praise God, you're safe, Joe. I'm like, did you just hear me? <laughs> Why are you telling me that I am I'm going to heaven? What, what does heaven have to do with what I'm saying right now? What am I going through right now? Joe, you have the best thing. You have the best thing a man could ever need. You have heaven, Joe. You have Christ. Of course, at that time, I really couldn't understand it. So maybe you, you can't understand it. So wait till you become a pastor or a church. <laughs> it makes perfect sense to me now. <laughs> 16 years later, no, no. 
No, because we do get so caught up with the things of our lives, right? With the craziness of American life, right? Before the tagline American Dream was just for a house, right? The American Dream. That's the tagline. But then American Dream became about everything. American Dream became about being the the Jones. You want to, your family wants you want to be the Jones family in your street. Right? You want them to keep up with you. And then you get so caught up with bills, accumulating things, right? The biggest house, the bigger house, the best car, the faster car, the bigger truck, the faster truck. Right? It never ends. We get so caught up with the business and the silliness of life that we forget the most important thing, which is our eternal life. And sadly, it happens to the sincerest believer. The most well-intentional believer, we too get caught up with the craziness of life. It becomes one overtime after another that, you know, you'll be surprised. Your overtime hours is, is longer than your regular hours. Then you know you have a problem. How did you even get that many hours in a week? Right? And then you wonder why your relationship with your, with your family is dwindling down. And then you wonder why your, fa- your relationship with the Lord is dwindling down. Because we get caught up, we get caught up with everything else. Not Paul. Paul knew that Christ was everything in his life. And he lived his life reflecting that truth. Not just by words, but by deeds. He walked the talk. He wrote this when he was still in house arrest. In the brink of his life before they cut his head off. He was still saying that he has not made it. And still he says that everything, knowing Christ was the best thing that ever happened to him. If you have not reached that point in your Christian life, then you have a long way to go. Because God will continue to reveal to you that all these things in our life right now that you think is important are all foolishness. God will show it to you as he did to me. He will reveal to us how silly it is, how stupid it is, how useless it is. And then hopefully, as you realize this, as he opens your eyes to the foolishness of this world, you will be able to focus your life for Christ. Amen? Now, this is the, this is where a lot of pastors get in trouble with. And frankly, a lot of believers get in trouble with the question of, well, you know, a lot of attackers of the Christian faith, they say, if you're saved by grace, you are taking it as a license to sin. So we're going to try to take two hours on this passage. <laughs> take a break, cause coffee break for 10 minutes. No, <laughs> and we'll try to do it in, in quick time. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner. If I rebuild the old system of law, I already tore down. Paul's opponents argued that since justification by faith eliminated the law and encouraged They're saying it encouraged sinful living. 
A person could believe in Christ for salvation and then he do as he pleased. Having no need to do good works. Paul hotly denied the charge. That's why there's an exclamation point there. Especially noting that this made Christ the promoter of sin. Do you realize that, believer? If you are living, and I've done this, sadly. I hate to admit it, but I did. Knowing the truth about grace, I thought I could continue to live my life the way I wanted to, which meant it wasn't what God had in mind for me. I continued to live the way I lived. I was still drinking as much as I can during parties. <laughs> and then drinking comes smoking. Okay, and then, so, so the people that are drinking and smoking now, I'm not judging you, okay? I'm just telling you about my life and how I did it. So all of this weren't affecting my salvation, correct? Yes, you have to say yes, because it did affect my salvation. You know what it affected? My testimony. My testimony to the people that were watching me. The people that knew that I was at church yesterday, and then I'm here partying with them today. That's what it affected but then in my mind, I'm like, hey, you know, man, I'm saved by grace. Only God can judge me. That's me drunk, right? That's me thinking that. But then if you look at it, you make Christ as somebody who gave you the license to sin if you live that way. And if you love Christ, you're going to feel ashamed of that thought. You're going to cringe. And you're going to cover your, your face. And you're going to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Because that's not, that's not why you died on the cross for me. Right? Christ died on the cross for our sins to free us from sin. The consequences of sin. It did not give us the license to continue to live the way we live. Again, drinking. And smoking, not necessarily sins. It becomes sin when you stumble someone with what you do. And the Bible did say that if you get drunk with these things, then you become stupid and you do stupid things, which probably would lead you to sin. You can argue with the Bible, and then you'll get the result. <laughs> and then you come back to me and tell me how it's working out. Because <laughs> I've been in that other end of that pole. Critics who have not experienced grace often attack grace as a license to sin. It is not only a person standing before God that changes when he or she is declared righteous. He or she is radically changed. You have to believe that, church. I couldn't believe it. I didn't want to believe it because you know why I didn't want to change. That's the saddest thing. I thought I could live my bad ways and still be saved by grace and be okay. I really thought that. I justified it. And I suffered the consequences for it. And unfortunately, same with my family and my testimony. That's why if you guys are wondering, why are your friends not here? This could have been, the, this is a great testimony. Knowing how you are now and then you were before and how you are now, they should be coming. You know why? Because they're not buying it. They're not buying it. They've seen me in my worst place. And they knew I was a Christian. That's the saddest thing. I think I made it clear too that I was a Christian with them. But then my life wasn't reflecting it, which is the saddest thing. 
Second Corinthians 5.17 says that we are a new creation. We need to admit, we need to accept these truths too. We are new creation. And if you're saying that God can change you in that one particular lifestyle that you're still doing, then you're saying he's not powerful, which is not true. The bottom line is God can't force you to follow him. I really wish he would. That's the thing. Knowing how stupid I can be or I am, I'm like, Lord, please just kill me now. You know, actually, that's one of my prayers. One of my prayers is if I'm going to commit anything that will shame his name as a pastor of one of his churches now, my prayer is this, Lord, just take me. Rather than me falling into a stupid sin that will just disgrace your name and it will stumble the church. Just take me. That's my sincere prayer. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but it's just the truth. Because I know that sometimes your thinking gets away from the truth because you want to serve your own sinful desires. But then the reality that God is holy and we are called to be holy and that we can't do it without him if we don't surrender it, right, is all I need. Knowing those three things brings me to my knees. Believer, you can change with God. You can't do it alone. But with the Holy Spirit empowering you, that is indwelt in you, you can change for His glory through your life. We are new creations and the Holy Spirit indwells in us. Christians no longer think or act, or at least we shouldn't, the way we used to. We should be open to God as He renews our mind and set our hearts and our minds on things above, not on earthly things. That's the hard part. It's a switching from our sinful self to holiness. Because if we're going to be honest, because we don't want to. Especially us American Christians who lives this, in this great country that gives us all the opportunities that we can. Uh, that, that we have credit cards. That we can buy things that we can't even afford. Right? I'll just worry about this 30 days from now. America is great. Only in America. Right? We can buy multiple houses and just put it on mortgage. Only in America. Right? And then we get, we, there's nothing wrong with those things. Okay? There's something wrong if you're getting in trouble because of those things. When those things become more important than, what your, than your relationship with the Lord. And that's for you to answer. It's not for me to really pinpoint them to you. Unless you really do come to me and say, hey, can we do a, a, a test here? You do here. Next one. What shall we say then? Romans 6, 1 to 4. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may, inc may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How we live it in it any longer. That's the truth. 
we have to ask ourselves that. Why are we still open to living the way we used to live? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a whole a new life. That's the why we baptize people uh, in water, not because in addition to, but this is the symbolism of it. Your old self dies, and the new has come when you come out of that water. But baptism is really just, not just, but it is to announce a public declaration that you now belong to Christ. That's why we practice water baptism. But then this is where believers should be asking. You as a believer, you should be asking yourself, if there is still some aspects of your life that you have not surrendered to Christ, that you know the Holy Spirit's convicting you, no matter how small or big it is. It's the Holy Spirit that lives in you that convicts you. That you are still not living the holy life that He intended for you to begin with. So grace, one, saved by grace, once saved, always saved, is not a license to sin. It's not a license to sin. Paul never gave a, Paul's intention was never to tell the believers, well, you know, it's not by good works, so do bad works. Go ahead. No, he didn't say that. Let's continue. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. For I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I may live for God. What does this mean? So when you accept Christ, the Ten Commandments really doesn't apply to you anymore as a condemnation. Because before Christ, the, the Ten Commandments condemned you. It, tell, it told you, it told us, it tells you if you haven't accepted Christ, that you are condemned to hell. Because of all these things that you are not doing or are doing. But as a believer, it no longer applies to you as a condemnation. It applies to us as a what? As a, as a guideline, right? It's like a guideline for us. You know, there's like boundaries. It shows you the boundaries. And if you love Christ, those boundaries are beautiful. Amen? Amen. These walls, the locks in our doors right now, those are good boundaries for us, especially if there's a bad guy trying to come in. Correct? Those are good boundaries for us. The locks on your doors, boundaries for your children, the boundaries, the rules that you give them. You do it out of love because you want to protect them. And they should like it and they should love it. Same thing with us. Those are the things that we need to know. We need to know. And we do it because of our love for Christ, not because of our fear of going to hell. Or losing his love. No. It's a guideline for us to continue. Next one. Romans 7, 4. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. I have a question here. To whom do you live or to whom do you belong to? For many of us, you're going to say you belong to Christ, right? We belong to Christ, Pastor Joe. I belong to Christ. 
Since I was 18. But then do you live for him? Are you living for him? Is, is your life, is your life showing your profession? Or is you, or, or your Christianity goes as far as the t-shirt that you wear on Sunday gatherings? Or that Bible verse on your plate number? And you drive crazy like me. <laughs> right? I'm so glad my plate number doesn't really, it's not Jeremiah 29 so much, it's J-E. <laughs> but you know, some of you guys have an exposed Bible verse. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, okay? It doesn't matter. Oh, my, the, the real question, the real question is, the whole point is, our profession of Christ should be reflected in our lives. Amen? Amen. And you know what? Sadly, some of us have our social media life. So I'm going to have to address that now too. <laughs> Paul didn't anticipate this. Right? Now, our, our lives should be reflect, our social media life should also be reflecting our Christian profession. Because the saddest thing is on your description, you say, love God. Love God. And then this emoji. And then your next status is just, you're just getting mad at somebody like you want to kill them. That's your status. <laughs> like murder. I want to commit murder. And you're like, man, I'm like, this is me. I'm like, well, what do I say here? Was I supposed to know this? <laughs> you know, it, it's everything. I am targeting social media for the young people. Not. Some older people have social media too. And we need to be careful because elections are coming. Okay? <laughs> elections, you know, in elections, I noticed this. A believer might not be so bold in sharing Christ, but men, are they going to tell you who they're voting for? <laughs> and they don't care if they're going to lose friends with whom they're voting for, but they care if it's about Christ. I don't want to offend people. <laughs> that's crazy, right? I think that's crazy. If you're so bold in telling people who you want or who the right person for the job is, and you don't care who's going to get offended, but you're so careful when it comes to Christ, that's wrong. This means more, right? So I'd rather lose friends doing this than that. That's how I see it. I hope in the future you'll see the same way. <laughs> but it's really up to you. See, there's, there's, there's bearing fruit. There's bearing fruit. We were saved to bear fruit as well. Right? So we're saved not to live our crazy life. We're saved to live a holy life just as Christ did. So that we can bring people through our lives, through our profession. As we share, we can be so, they'll be so attractive, attracted to the life of Christ that is in us. That they'll even come to a question, I want to know your Christ. I can't believe you're handling this disappointment this way. I can't believe you're handling your heartache this way. Yeah, because you're telling them, well, it's only Christ that's getting me through. The, those people who are also experiencing the same heartbreak. They're going to say, I want to know who your Christ is. And if they don't come to that point of asking you, I'm hoping that somewhere, somewhere in you will just say, do you want to know my Christ? 
Because knowing the fact that that person, that good person that you really like, could die anytime soon and won't go to heaven because that's not the way to go. It's only through Christ. We have to bring our compassion back for the lost. What I've noticed is if, we've been, if you've been a believer for a long time, you've developed apathy. You know why? Because now you're struggling with the world or your life. You get dragged down to the craziness of life that we discussed earlier. And you're struggling between being completely devoted to God or to the life that the world is trying to suck you into. Most of us, it's here. You know, they'll share your timeshares. And you're like, oh, man, that's so cheap. You didn't know that you, for you to be at the timeshare, you need to buy a ticket to go there. <laughs> right? There's other money. They're not paying for your plane ticket. <laughs> right? So it's, it's one thing after another. We need to be really careful. We need to focus our minds to Christ. Amen? And this is, this is, this is Paul speaking to the church in Rome. But at the same time, I, I, I want us to know that, that he reviewed, he gave this review to Peter, the pillar of the faith, who made a mistake. See, sometimes we need to be reviewing why we are believers. It is because of what Christ has done on the cross for us. Amen. It's not because, because I think it happens. It happens because you're walking a st that straight and narrow for the longest time, right? And you think you're like, oh man, I've made it. I've made it. As you're saying, you've made it. You've already fallen. Because right? now you're prideful. It's good to be reminded of this. And at the same time, it's good to be reminded that as much as we are saved by grace, not by works, we, we are saved to do good works. That's Ephesians 2.10. We are saved to do good works. And let me close with this. It's not on the slide. Let me re read to you unless you want to turn to Romans chapter 13, verse 8 to 10. And I want to close with this one. As we discuss that we are saved by grace and by grace alone, we are justified by faith through Christ not by our works. Verse 8 reads, Owe nothing to anyone. I'm reading from new, the New Living Translation. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Amen? Now, I don't think... I'm wrong in echoing what John and Paul wrote and said that 
One evidence of a real believer is a loving person. Amen? One that loves his or her neighbor. Now, our love for one another gets tested when? When they don't do what we expected them to do, or they said something that we didn't like, right? That's when our love gets tested. Love never gets tested in a good time. Love gets tested during the bad times, during the tough times. When things are said incorrectly or abruptly, that's when our love gets tested. But uh, as believers saved by grace, we need to be focused in Christ and his love for us. And that we need to be with that as we accept it, accept that we will exude. We will, love will come out of us. So that we can love others too. This whole, um, I woke up today with, um, I shared this with a few brothers and my wife. I woke up today with a pain that I, uh, quite familiar to me, but it's the feeling that when I, before it was the feeling when I play so hard with uh, basketball, played so many basketball games, and I'm sore all over. Or when I get into a fight the day before, you wake up, you're like, oh gosh, I'm going to die feeling. I woke up with that feeling today. But I said, praise God that I woke up with that feeling today. Because that pain was caused by following his command of expanding his church. But what I want to share is, I went to bed last night, actually having some resentment in my heart because I felt like there should have been more people here at the expansion to help out. Because as I look around the room, there's a lot of strong and able people. But last night, I was somewhat disappointed in taking it into my heart as a resentment. So as I was working all night long from 8 to 9, <laughs> I was just saying, Lord, help me. Help me not hate them. Help me not get mad at them. Help me not be bitter against them. As I prayed that on my knees without my pads, <laughs> which was already sore with my pads, I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do. But all I know is I can't hate them. And I don't want this feeling of lack of love for them. So that's why I said, when I woke up with the pain, I didn't have the pain here anymore. So the bodily, the mus muscle aches was okay because my love was restored. Amen. 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 Because you know what? It was you guys who missed on the blessing, <laughs> not me, <laughs> not us who were here. And the sister texted me. It was a mathematically text, like 2.1 people uh, during Cyrus's time when they built the temple. 2.1% of the Isra Israelites went to Jerusalem to build it with him. And she did the math last night. She said, I had 2.8, which is a higher thing. <laughs> 
So I'm like, well, well praise God, all the more. I'm, I'm feeling much, much better now. <laughs> but it's true. Our love for each other gets tested when things, when things that we expect did come, right? When words weren't said correctly, right? When actions weren't delivered properly. But we need to be loving to one another. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your message, Lord God, that you've given to us once again through the book of Galatians, Lord God. Thank you for the reminder that we are saved by grace through your son Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. We thank you, Father, for, for making that available to all of us. We thank you, Father, for that that. For those who have accepted you here, Lord, we thank you for revealing that truth to us and, and that we were able to accept that gift. And Lord, right now, Lord, we pray that uh, you give us the same strength, the same strength to and, and boldness to follow you completely with our lives. And I pray for that brother and sister that are that's still struggling with a certain sin. I pray, Father, that you re renew their minds and their hearts, that they are now a new creation, Lord. Help them be reminded and remove the lie of the enemy that they can't change because they can. They've already changed. You've already changed them. Father, I pray that you, that we will glorify with our lives, with the, not just what, with our words, but with everything that we say and do and how we live our lives. Not because of fear to lose our salvation, because we know we can't, Lord, but because of our love relationship with you. Father, I pray for all your people here that needs that encouragement from you, Lord God. May you encourage them right now. For those who are sick, Lord, please heal them. For those who have broken relationships, Father, I pray that you restore them. But Lord, I pray for that lost soul that you brought here tonight that still has to accept you as their Lord. I pray that this will be the evening that they will surrender their lives to you. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.